Hello and welcome to Boxing and Bullshit. I'm your host, Alex Diaz. It is Saturday, December 12th, 2020. Haven't recorded for a little while, so we're going to go over the Tyson Roy Jones fight, the Errol Spence Andy Garcia fight, the Joshua Pulev fight, what's going to, um, what we hope to see next, and as well as the uh, Canelo uh, Smith fight that's coming up next week. Let's go. So the exhibition between Mike Tyson and Rory Jones did significantly better than anyone, I think, really expected. I think uh, the last time we saw Tyson in some sort of exhibition, it was pretty bad. But this time around, the production was good. Uh, even... Uh, even some of the undercard was good. Uh, there, I mean, I think um, the whole Jake Paul, Nate Robinson knockout pretty much stole the show. It just, it just really shows people that even, even someone who like trains for a year and a half, couple of years, uh, finding a phenomenal athlete who's only maybe trained for like a couple of months, month and a half. There's going to be an advantage. Anybody that that's ever boxed or ever learned how to box is, you're going to realize that you you don't know how to defend yourself properly. You may have felt like you know you throw certain punches and you can be aggressive, but it's pretty much really whatever comes back to you that uh, and the thinking in between the the quick thinking the the twitching that helps you respond uh, to punches and to like slip to counter. So that, that pretty much stole the show, but um, surprisingly, uh, even the Tyson Jones fight, while it it wasn't exactly boring, uh, I mean there wasn't any knockdowns. I think pretty they pretty much uh, the California State Athletic Commission had kind of let you know that they weren't really going to allow them to really go uh, full force. And Ty, but Tyson did land some hellacious body shots. You could see uh, Roy just huffing and puffing, just huff like just huffing and puffing. And, um, but, uh, along with, uh, Snoop, who apparently likes to commentate, they did, uh, I think anywhere from 1.5 to 1.6 million pay-per-view buys. So the name recognition, Mike Tyson, their circus act, the Jake Paul thing, the, all that other shit, it just, it helped itself. And 1.6 million pay-per-views during a pandemic. It, I mean, it was, um, I think what might have also helped it is just like the price range. I, I believe it was like forty nine ninety nine. I I didn't, I didn't pay for it, but, uh, the fact that they sold that much, it, it, it's quite impressive. So people have suggested that Tyson continue to do this. It seems like he might just because of how much money was generated. And I know they mentioned that, uh, certain percentages that was going to go to charity. So you have... <laughs> Evander Holyfield out there just really uh, chasing the fight, you know, uh, the trilogy with Tyson. It just it, it doesn't it doesn't make sense to me. And then again, you know, like I really w- the only thing that deters me from thinking, yo, like it, it would be a good idea is the fact that you know Tyson, I believe, is like fifty four years old, and there's no reason for him to be taken you know, any kind of serious punishment. So I, I I do believe that he understands 
that these exhibition exhibitions, um, as long as they're not against legitimate, you know, in prime fighters, they're to his benefit. They're gonna make him money. He's gonna be able to donate to charity if he chooses. He's gonna get plenty of sales. It's always gonna be an interest because Mike Tyson, it's like a the so many people remember him. They've seen like the highlights. They've seen all the quotes. They've seen all the craziness. The Lennox Lewis oppressor uh, where he tells someone he's going to fuck them until they love them. They're like challenging people, telling them, you know, they're not man enough to fuck with them. That the violent, the just angry Tyson, I think is, you know, one side of him. And then you see, you know, like everything that he's doing now and how he's so much like so approachable. So like the new generation, the kids sees him. They see this wild man from some of the highlights on YouTube, and then they go back, and then you're going to see a Mike Tyson, you know, you'd see a Mike Tyson now that's so engaging with uh, fans doing podcasts. Um, it, it's mul like multiple sides, multiple facets to his personality. And it, it's just, it kind of, um, it shows that, you know, boxing can have superstars. Unfortunately, it also makes you realize that you know, there's a potential there that boxing just isn't reaching. We have so many talented fighters and then we're not allowing the public to get the fights and the matchups that they want. And so many people consider it to be just a waste. I had literally talked to a casual fan, a uh, casual boxing fan, um, the other day and pretty much just explained to me, oh, I used to watch boxing when it was better. I used to watch boxing when, you know, People fought each other, like champions fought each other when the best fought the best. And the, there's a disenchantment with the sport from a, cer from a certain uh, level of um, fanatics. And a lot of them have gone over, and I think some of them have become like mixed martial arts fans because they feel that the best will fight the best there, and they're kind of forced to fight each other. Whereas boxing, you have so many, not just promotional companies, but networks that have their hand in, in the cookie jar and everyone's just trying to grab whatever is, you know, whatever they can. And they're not doing what's best for the fans. They're really just doing, everyone's just kind of looking out for themselves. You bitch, come on, you bitch. You're scared, coward. You've got man enough to f*** with me. You love me, This past Saturday, we had the Errol Spence, Danny Garcia, uh, fight that we had been waiting for I honestly I was a bit nervous I thought um, there was a certain level of worrisome for me for Spence I, I wasn't sure how Arrow was going to respond to being touched what his um, punch resistant would be like Danny's a pretty decent puncher even at welterweight he's a still he could still I think um, hit, touch someone and just back them off with one one left hook uh the right hand that he landed on Brandon Rios at that at, that's ended their matchup was pretty impressive so he he has legit power he's knocked down and hurt and I, he's not he doesn't have soft hands he 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 can keep you off him if he really wants to and if he really i think bites down and you know wants a trade He's always, his timing has always been really good. So I, part of me worried that he'd be able to time Spence and 
just land something and it was just it's it just in my mind it just kept running through my mind like you know maybe spence should have taken a tune-up something for him you know before fighting a danny garcia before possibly fighting a sean porter again even if he decides to fight um bud crawford that he takes something maybe just just to give him you know more, you know get rid of the ring rust see how his body's reacting to pun like punches and punishment and it, it just seems like he came back, man. He did his thing. Like he he looked to me not quite what he used to what he looked like before the accident, but even more refined. And the dude was shredded, man. Spence, fuck, dude. I I I think within the year year and a half he's got to be going up to one fifty four. The kid is fucking ripped. He looked thin, but the shoulders are still broad. He looked just absolutely shredded. So, you know, he put in that time. He said he'd been like been in the gym nonstop. So that's it, it's a great thing. Um, there are reports that he had, I believe, like six different procedures on his teeth alone. So, we'll always say, oh, you know, no, he didn't break any bone. But I mean, he to have that many procedures just like on your face, it, it's just a. Uh, I want to make sure that he's perfectly safe. It's sad because boxing, boxing is a type of sport where it, it, there's no uh, there's no leniency in it, right? Like you, you could be everyone's favorite uh, crowd pleaser. You know, you could be down once. No one, often no one really cares about you. Yeah. You know, I always look back to Sergio Martinez read of the interview where he said that, you know, when he beat Chavez, he, everybody was calling him. Everybody was calling him. When he lost to Cotto, no one would pick up his phone calls. He went from having hundreds of missed calls a day to people not responding to his phone calls. So the sport's unforgiving. But Spence came out. Applied a jab, really nice jab, power jab, and he started just busting Danny up. <laughs> Danny did land some pretty decent counter punches in some rounds, and they looked like they might have bothered Spence a little bit, but I forget if it was in the third or in the fourth round where Danny landed a good shot, and you see Spence smile and just start tapping his chin, and I was like, okay, he's good, he's fine, he's perfectly fine, so. The right jab as a southpaw, getting angles and landing punches of the body. He just started breaking Danny down. And you had Angel Garcia just pretty much pleading and imploring, Hey Danny, you need a, we need more more out of you. You gotta punch more. You're not gonna you're not gonna win rounds by not punching. You're giving the fight away because you're not doing enough. You're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. And he's gonna be racking up points. And it you know, it's just, you know, this sport it's pretty much you land punches or you don't. And the guys that land their punches, the rounds are going to go to them. The judges are going to see that, and that's what they're going to award the win to. But Spence, Spence is a motherfucker, man. Spence, Spence is my favorite fighter, I'd say, of like the last five years, and someone who I've consistently watched since the amateurs. When, De La, when he was signed to Oscar De La Hoya and Golden Boy Promotions, they were like, this is going to be the next Sugar Ray Leonard. He's got like he's got the good smile, he's got the cool, calm personality, and then he has a chip on his shoulder when he goes into that ring. 
he wants to prove that he's a better boxer, a better slugger, a better fighter than anyone. So he gets this win. And people are like, what now? And he was asked. He was asked. He was like, oh, like, who would you like to fight next? You had Terrence Crawford in, in attendance. And I believe that, you know, everyone who interviewed him, even at the post-fight press conference, they expected him to say Terrence, but Crawford, who many people believe to be the best welterweight, if not best pound-for-pound pound fighter in the world, I have a completely different opinion, specifically because I feel like Errol Spence has a better resume. But it's just completely, they're, they're completely different. Victor Postal, Gamboa are probably uh, Crawford's best wins because a Kell Brook with two broken orbital bones who's had, you know, these fights to build him up, these showcase fights over the last year, last couple of years, he has not looked the same. So this win that he just had that meant absolutely nothing to me. I expected Crawford to take him out. It should have been an easy fight. It was. Fucking Brooke landed more punches than I thought he would. But still. Crawford got him out of there. Some people could say, oh, he did it earlier than Spence did. Yeah, but the fighter that Kell Brook is now is partially in due to Triple G and to Errol Spence fucking up his face. He's not the same fighter anymore. To me, Carl Spence has a better chin, more power, and he's proven that he can beat elite welterweights. That's something that Terrence Crawford has yet to do. He, for, Terrence either has to beat a Keith Thurman, a Sean Porter, a Danny Garcia, before I would even consider making an argument that he has either a better resume or that he could beat Errol Spence. If the mean machine can hurt you and a 135-pound New Yorkist Gamboa can hurt you, I definitely believe that Errol Spence can get the job done. That's, that's just me. I, I I don't see it any other way. One guy's fighting welterweights, beating them down, outboxing them, doing whatever he has to do. Another guy's pretty much been fighting guys who... He weight bullies. Not, not to say that Crawford can't beat some of these opponents... But we've yet to see him beat a top five, top ten Walter Reed. It just, it just, it just hasn't happened. So I can't base anything off of that. Just watched the Anthony Joshua Kubrat Pulu fight, and it went pretty much as I thought. I did believe that Anthony Joshua was going to come out, definitely going to be cautious because he was really cautious the first two rounds. And it looked like that's the mentality he was going to stick to ever since the Reeds fight. He just seems to be a different fighter. He claims that he's a smarter fighter. He's not going to do reckless things. Earlier in this, um, excuse me, earlier in this, uh, this fight with uh, Pulev, I thought, oh shit, here he goes again. This is going to be uh, Joshua uh, Ruiz, essentially three, <laughs> with just sticking, circling, you know, just jabbing. And early on, he... I'm not gonna say I'm not. He didn't look discouraged, or he he just he looked like he had lots of ring rust. He you know he's not throwing punches. His hands aren't even up to his face. Maybe you know like four or five inches away from his face, hands are spread apart. And I'm thinking to myself, 
Okay, you're doing something in between because you're not punching and you're also not guarding. You're not protecting yourself. So he just he started jabbing little by little, just trying to circle. I think trying to find um, some, something to, to work off of. Boom. Here comes the third round. Holy shit, dude. He looks like that, like that Anthony Joshua that would take, you know, 21 out of his 23 opponents out. He, he looked like that, like that bad dude. And whatever issues they had, or if it was just a buildup from the fight, he looked meaner today than he has in a while. And he, I mean, fuck, he was throwing like three, four uppercuts in a row. Now that's a huge no-no when it could like, as far as boxing technique, I mean, Leo Santa Cruz uh, learned the hard way. You you throw multiple uppercuts, even specifically from a distance, man. You're gonna you're gonna you can throw the same punch over and over again. You got you got to be careful, right? Because when Tank came up with that uppercut after Leo had thrown the same punch three times in a row, uh, uh-uh, it was it was lights out. That's one of the things that kind of worried me a little bit once I once I started seeing him do that. But man, he that fight should have been stopped in the third. I thought once Pulev turned his back, pretty much showed he didn't want to fight anymore. He didn't know what the fuck to do. His body's reacting. He's like, yo, like I'm not. I'm not accustomed to this. I'm not. This is not what I expected. And even a vet, man, about to be what forty years old. He's uh, just turning his back. He's like, "Fuck this, man! This, this dude landed way too many big time punches. They're coming from all angles: left hooks, right hands, right uppercuts, left uppercuts. They're coming from everywhere. He was getting jabbed to the body, right hand to the body. Like it was just a fucking hailstorm of punches from a six foot." six fucking 242 pound fighter it he joshua looked good but by the end of the round i thought to myself did he punch himself out because he tried to get him out of there fourth round fifth round you start seeing joshua maybe start trying to conserve some of his energy not throw as many punches as he was trying to be really careful like uh start using try to use a little more lateral movement um Peel have landed, I think, a really nice like left hook and a snapping right hand after trying to hide it with like a double jab. And at that point, I thought to myself, is Joshua going to begin to fold? But he didn't because as the fight progressed, he kept on boxing, boxing, looking for spaces. And man, here, here comes the second win. And it's the uppercuts. His right hand's the uppercuts. You see, like, Pula is like, Huffing and puffing, and now taking like a beating. Once, once uh, Joshua threw a fuck. I think it was like four uppercuts, and he goes down. You know, he he gets up. He's he's a fighter. He's he's still he's still got it. You know, he's still still gonna try. I think try and go out on his shield, try and throw some mean right hands. But as soon as he got up, Anthony Joshua just you know casually moved his way in, snapped a jab, and that right hand. Beautiful, beautiful right hand. You you see all the force in that punch. It wasn't it wasn't a long punch. It wasn't an arm punch. It was literally like a snapping punch for that. You saw that uh, the twist of the hand, the elbow moving, just oh, it was just beautiful. And dudes out. And then here comes the interview, and you know what they're gonna ask about. Okay, so who do you want next? We got Tyson Fury. You got Deontay Wilder. Who do you want to fight next? He pretty much just says he wants to leave it up to his management. But you see it because he's saying the Fury fight will happen 
and it's going the boxing fans deserve it. Eddie Eddie Hearns right there and he's like, "Yo, we're done talking. We need to be more proactive instead of yapping. What we're going to do is we're going to start we're going to start writing some of these contracts up. We're going to start we're going to start we're going to pretty much negotiate in good faith. All be nice, we'll be kind, we'll do whatever we have to do to make that fight because that's it's the biggest fight in boxing to make. Nothing does as well to this day as the heavyweight division. Canelo Smith coming up next weekend isn't going to do the numbers. Canelo Triple G wouldn't do the numbers that an Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury fight. It just wouldn't. It wouldn't do the numbers of a Anthony Joshua or Deontay Wilder fight. The only thing that's... So there's, there's a few different issues. One, Wilder suing Tyson Fury. They're trying to get that third fight. That third fight should have already happened. The only fucking reason that fight didn't happen was because Deontay Wilder's people kept moving the date. So initially what they wanted to do, like July, they moved that shit to August. They said, no, we can't do August. Let's end up pushing it back. We'll do October. From October, you went to December. And then the last thing that they wanted to do was move that shit to February. And Tyson Fury and his camp was like, fuck this, dude. We're trying to play these games. Fucking Wilder's coming up with every single excuse as to why he lost that fight. None of them make sense. It's a bunch of bullshit. It's a bunch of just crazy. All this craziness that he's talking. His own corner fucking poisoned him. Uh, Tyson Fury allegedly having fucking weights in his gloves. <laughs> the you know the commission being against him. Uh, Mark Breland throwing in the towel because he was influenced by Kronk fighters. It's just uh, the oh the fucking suit was being it was too heavy. It just absolute nonsense nonsense every single every single excuse except for blaming himself for the loss it was everybody else's fault that he lost but his own and then when they were ready to make the fight and they had they had it all set up it was Al Heyman's side it was the Auntie Wilder's side that continuously moved the fight date until top rank until uh, MTK Global pretty much said, you know what, go fuck yourselves, we're going to move on. We need our guy to keep fighting, and we want to make the biggest fight. So that's what you saw this past year. They pretty much have, in on speaking terms, they have a negotiation already where it's a 50-50 slip between Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury, and it's pretty simple. When you really want to make a fight happen, you're going to make it happen. That is, to me, the most interesting match. But there's there's something else out there, too. You have Usyk, who's a mandatory for Anthony Joshua. And Alexander Usyk, even though he didn't look that good against Chisora, he's still a very, very, probably the best boxer right now at heavyweight, with the exception of Tyson Fury. I don't think he has the power uh, to withstand some of these 6'6", 6'7", 6'8", monsters. But I think he has the type of style that would really bother an Anthony Joshua. I think I really think that the Usyk fight would be exciting. It'd be technical, and you'd see some of the best heavyweight boxing you can you can see. And that's how we'll get to see because when Joshua was in the amateurs, he was a little bit more technical than he is now. The dude bulked up like a motherfucker. He's super like he looks like a weightlifter, and he wants to be aggressive. So it'd be pretty interesting watching Usyk fight Anthony Joshua. 
as opposed to watching Usyk fight Fury, where that would be just maybe two counterpunchers, it wouldn't be the most exciting fight. It just wouldn't. It, it I think, would be maybe even somewhat similar, but probably worse than watching Fury when he fought Klitschko. It, I, similar to that, to that sense, where both guys are kind of just waiting on each other, and there's not much action. But I think Usyk and Joshua would put, produce... A significantly more exciting fight, but that leaves us with Wilder. What, what the fuck? What are we gonna do with Wilder? Like, we uh, Wilder Ruiz seemed like a very natural matchup to make. Wilder against uh, Eden, even uh, Kanaki, seems like an interesting uh, fight to make. It just as critical as I am of him on the podcast. I want to talk to people and give my opinion. He's still. A fucking badass puncher. One one of the best that there'll ever be on power alone. I think his reflexes speed is what creates such force with that right hand. So you can't ever doubt him. It could literally just take one punch. Just the same way it was with the second Ortiz fight. Where he is losing every fucking round. Clearly, boom, lights out. Do a tournament. I don't know if you, I don't know if you guys remember the old school uh, top rank or the old um, Don King when they they would set up like the heavyweight tournaments. Yeah, and some of those fighters weren't all that great, but it was pretty interesting to watch guys. You know, pretty much the matchmaking pretty, did its job itself. Anthony Joshua, Tyson Fury, man, that's, that huh. that's got to be made. And there has to be fans in attendance. That's a fight I think that would probably break all records, all attendance records in the UK. This is, that shit would be huge. And interestingly enough, that could produce our next global superstar in the sport of boxing because one, one of these heavyweights can very easily be the face of boxing. Canelo doesn't have to be the face. Canelo doesn't speak English. He doesn't, you know, like there's certain things that hold him. Um, well, he speaks it, but he, I think he prefers not to. So I think whoever is going to be the face of boxing ha- absolutely has to speak English. They, they have to be, you know, it, it just, it just makes sense. Uh, it might be some of the reasons why Canelo doesn't maybe do some of the, uh, pay-per-view buys or like why, um, does the one, I think kind of, their math didn't make sense when, when they were talking about like, okay, so like it's a. He has a fight with Triple G and it does almost a million pay-per-views. Well, how easily would would it be for the for us to get a million uh, a million um, subscriptions? Uh, you know, for DAZN, it didn't it didn't really happen. It didn't not it did not necessarily happen that way. And it part I really do believe that part of it is one uh, he doesn't speak his English as much as he probably should when he he does interviews. And secondly, I think he doesn't like to do interviews. I think he's more of a reserved person and would just rather focus on training and fighting. Part of, part of me thinks he just needs to be a little bit more of a showman if he ever really wants to be the complete face of boxing and do the type of numbers that Mayweather did. We have uh, Stella Canelo Alvarez fighting Callum Smith. Oh, you know what? Before I get into that, this whole Triple G mandatory where he requested to defend his 
title and fight a mandatory <laughs> is absolute rubbish. It's bullshit. It's stupid. He should be fighting someone who's ranked in the top 10. It does These fucking... For, I, I have no idea why, but no one ever holds Gennady Golovkin to the standard that they hold AJ, Canelo, like some of the superstars of the sport, uh, even a Wilder, a Fury, you know, like, he doesn't want to fight Demetrius Andre, Andrade, Andre, whatever, he just, he doesn't want to, like, he doesn't want to fight him, that's the best opponent that was available, and they didn't fucking fight him because I'm 90% sure they think he's going to get outboxed. Okay, secondly, what about someone like Billy Joe Saunders? And they had the whole argument about, oh, who's not trying to fight who? Blah, blah, blah. Right? If he decides to move up to like 168, like, dude, he had so much time to fight the Charlo. He, you know, he, in my opinion, lost to Derevchenko. They didn't want to do the rematch for that. So he's just pretty much like cherry picking and we're allowing it to happen. Yet, I keep fucking hearing that the Canelo fight is trash. Callum Smith is literally the dude at 168, and he just had a bad fight. His last fight, he just had an off night. I don't think he took his opponent seriously. But, here's the thing. Canelo has consistently challenged himself. Rocky Fielding, that, yeah, that was a walk in the park. Callum Smith is a completely different monster. I'd love to see Callum Smith against Triple G. I really, really would love to see a fight like that. But this is a legit fighter at 168. There's three really, really good fighters at 168. Caleb Plant, David Benavides, Callum Smith. If Canelo can manage to fight each one of those dudes, he'll have easily, whether whether he wins or loses, he'll have easily had the best resume at that weight class. It's important because you don't always, like, it's not just who you beat, but it's, it's, it has to be who you face. And that's my argument against Terrence Crawford. Canelo Alvarez, from 154 to 160, now 168. Well, I'm not. I'm not really. We won't count 175, even though it was, it was nice that he what he did to Kovalev. But at 168, man, he, he was it. He's challenging himself so consistently. There's so much hate towards the dude. It just it literally does not make sense. But I'll tell you what. He gets through Callum Smith. And they manage to somehow figure out because he he's a free agent. So if he if they can manage to get him against a PBC fighter next, oh man. He he's paving the way for himself to have an argument as either the best or top three greatest Mexican fighters of all time. I'm I'm like I'm old school. I to me, I go Salvador Sanchez, Chavez, Marquez, Morales, Barrera, Lopez. That's, and I don't have Canelo up there at all. 
but he's he's still active and he still has a few years to go and if he's continuously fighting these elite fighters whether he wins or loses fighting the fighting that type of caliber of opponents he'll ease like he'll he'll have an argument to be the best ever when it comes to mexican fighting today the resume matters and he's doing everything i believe in his power because when golden boy didn't want him to fight austin trout he fought austin trout right when his people and his handlers didn't want him to fight Erlis landy lara he said fuck this make that fight he's not taking any of the fight but that fight now you you could see there's people that argue that he lost that fight that fight was should you know it was a draw no dude he's continuously seeking fights that'll represent how great of a fighter he was long after he's retired you you, you got to give the man props smith is what six two six three dude he's a beast i don't know how the fuck he makes 168 man he's a power puncher canelo's shown a pretty good chin but he's shown a good chin against 154 pounders 160 pounders and an aging sergey kovalev who was trying to stick to a jab. This might be the biggest puncher he's faced yet. You, you got to give it to the man. My prediction is going to be Canelo by points in a closer fight than people expect. I'm going to go like 116, 112 Canelo. In a pretty, in a pretty damn good fight. Uh, Callum to me is not the most responsible uh, defensive fighter. He's he's he likes to punch. He likes to trade. I do think he's going to have the kind of power that's going to force Canelo to be a little bit more cautious than he'd probably like. I think eventually Canelo starts pretty pretty much breaking down the body, and that and that's how he'll be scoring. But I, I think it's going to be a closer fight than people expect. So before I started uh, recording the podcast. I asked a few friends uh, if they wanted to give uh, their opinion on the Anthony Joshua fight, and I'm just going to share a few of the responses. Um, I really want I wanted to do it this way, so you guys submit like by voice message what their opinions like, what their predictions were for the fight, and what they wanted to see after. This way, you're forced to eat crow, right? So you've already like submitted what you thought, like often guys fight and then people tell you after well i thought this was going to happen now that happened exactly as i thought well you know what let's just be a little bit more honest so we'll give our predictions first and after uh you just submit those and then after i'll add them to the pod and then that way you guys could be like hey okay all right either i was right or i was wrong but there's no there's no going back so um thank you know thank you for everyone that uh, submitted uh, sent a voice message and let's go Yo, what's up, Alex? This is your boy, Freddy, right here, checking in with that boxing and bullshit. Uh, you know, I just wanted to drop uh, uh, my two cents real quick on that uh, Anthony Joshua fight. Um, I don't know, man. I think it's going to be one hell of a battle. You know, I think Joshua's going to go in there. And he's not going to take it easy, take it light. You know, especially after after all the shit he was talking, you know, he's going to go in there and put his lights out. But, you know, that's just my two cents. You know, anything could happen. It is boxing. But uh, he's going to fuck that nigga up. Hey, yo, this is Big Kev checking in on my boy Lex's Bullshit-Ass Boxing Podcast. Saturday night, 
Joshua's going to knock the dust off that old ass Bulgarian and gear up for the Gypsy King. What's up, Primo? Uh, I got to say, it's going to be an easy one for Joshua. Uh, uh, Poliv's going down in like the third round. It's going to be a. It's not even going to be on combos. It's just going to be one catch. Uh, might even drop him in the first round, similar to like the Klitschko. He's going to get up. He has a very awkward stance. Um, and it's just going to look awkward when he hits the ground, too. I hate saying things like that about people, but, uh, yeah. I saw the press conference. They're a little, they're a little stat. Uh, you should have stayed about 6 to 12 feet from each other. Uh, other than that, though, hope you're doing good, man. Uh, I'll be watching it in Texas. It's a little, uh, it's a little late night fight here. Uh, when you get to my age, when you get to our age, you want to go to sleep by the time the main event starts. It's, it's a sad thing. But all right, man, stay up, Joshua. Third round, third round, finish him. Peace. Oh, shit, my bad. So who I want to see Joshua fight after would probably be Wilder because I just want to see, like, all those excuses. Man, those shits are killing me, man. I literally thought some of those ones that you were posting on your IG, I thought they were bogus, and turns out they were real. So that was hilarious. Uh, I wasn't I wasn't checking boxing hype or anything like that. I was just... Boxing and BS is where I get my, my boxing news now. So, stay up. Well, that concludes uh, this episode of Boxing and Bullshit. I'm your host, Alex Diaz. Just want to say thank you to everybody who listens, likes, shares, critiques, rates, uh, sends in voice messages, uh, letting me know either what they think, uh, what their opinion of a fight is, what they just saw, the response to a fight, the predictions for certain fights. Uh, just thanks. It it's um, humbling when I realize how many people actually listen to this podcast. Thank you. <laughs>